0: This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone.
1: Uh, My name is Joris Peels, and this is another episode of the 3D Pod. And I'm here today, uh, as always, with Maxwell Vogue. Hey, everybody. And uh, yeah, Max and I are joined today with Martin Joris, uh, who's the, uh, well, who's used to work, he's been working 3D printing for a long time now, and uh, he's, he did a lot of business development stuff at uh, Materialize, where we actually we ended up working together there uh, a while ago now. And uh, later on, he ended up uh, starting his own company called Twicket. And Twicket is a mass customization company They make the end-to-end software to take kind of the user input from the consumer and turn into a mass custom customized product that'll actually print with uh, 3D printing. And that's kind of what Martijn does at the moment. And, and that's what Twicket does. And they do a lot of cases of customizing things as diverse and orthotics to uh, car parts and everything in between. So uh, yeah, welcome to the show, Martijn.
2: Hey, Yoris, Thank you.
1: Uh, nice
2: to be here and nice to meet you all.
1: Awesome, awesome. Okay, so first off, let's start for the uninitiated. Like, what is mass customization anyway?
2: Mass customization um, obviously means that we um, can offer a product not in a standardized way, but we are going to to customize it. Uh, That can be in a broader perspective. It can be aesthetically. It can be functional customization. For example, if you want something to fit uh, to a body, to the body or to fit to a, a car, And uh, then obviously with mass, that means that um, we we talk higher volume. So it does not concern crafting where you make a thing in a bespoke way with your hands one off and it takes a long time. Um, But when you go into the higher volumes, um, obviously because you do some digital transformation and you use tools like uh, 3D printing. Um, or other stuff then we talk uh, mass customization
1: and, and so essentially is the idea that any consumer can do it? Is it like is it meant to be accessible as well on the, on the mass front?
2: Yeah, that depends on the product of course but uh, very important and that at all has always been a driver uh, at Twicket um, if you want uh, consumers to uh, Customize the product then uh, the front end at, at least should be very very uh, easy Uh, People want options, but they don't want too many options. Uh, People want to make choices, but not too many, you know. So I think that's a very important driver if you want to offer products and you ask consumers to uh, get involved in the product. Um, Of course, you can also do mass customization, um, which is often a mistake. You can also do mass customization in a B2B environment or for uh, experts. In the front end for example a, a, a orthotic expert or a prosthetic expert and then uh, it's allowed or it's even good to offer more options
0: but when you, and when is- you see the end consumer do you see it more as a just drop-down if you will pick one of these five things in the limitation or do you see it as trying to give consumers in the long run the ability to actually manipulate 3d CAD if if there was an easy way of doing it
2: yes uh, indeed it it's, um, we we have uh, applications where they can actually uh, manipulate the the 3d uh, the 3d files so that's that's allowed um, but what i mean with it is that it, it will be more uh, sliders you know so mm. pick a slider and turn the slider and then the, the the shape will change or use a 3d scan or use a picture to to have a mate to fit part to the body obviously compared to yeah, do a, do a bullion, guys, or uh, do a, a, an extensive 3D operation where you actually need a lot of knowledge. So, it, it, it the, again, it depends on the product. Some, sometimes it's more like, hey, add your text. Like like in the past, we did a lot of jewelry. Like you have text rings and you say, okay, just add your text. And, whoa, my text automatically creates a, a ring or a necklace. Whoa, that's nice. Um, while we did other products with, with shavers or car parts where it goes more into the real 3D a file that changes
1: and and so what are the applications that you're seeing emerging or what's happening in, in mass customization What are the stuff that's actually like the cases that, that are actually ongoing at the moment
2: well i think there's there's a a, a lot of customization um, going on really important for twicket is that we always say that there's there has been a lot of customization obviously before 3d printing and other digital manufacturing but that happens many times through a crafting um, and with that, I mean, for example, if you wanted a pair of insoles uh, Many years ago, uh, you could also go to a podiatrist, but only you would not print it, but um, they would cut it out of a uh, of a foam Or if you want the, a watch or you want your um, exclusive car uh, personalized uh, if you paid enough they, they would actually do it. Or so you would be invited to Geneva to, to sit together with a watch um, crafter who would make exactly what you wanted uh, as long as you paid it. So I think there's, there's already a big range of um, products which were uh, customized in the past. And I think a strong driver there that 3D printing uh, can bring is that it's a technology and it's the means to an end to do digital transformation of that crafting and make it scalable make it easier um, and enable um, yeah, new business uh, models uh, for, for example but um, in general uh, to come back to your question with Twicket, today we are uh, focused on a, on a couple of uh, verticals and applications um, one of that is automotive like you already mentioned um, Joris where you have different kind of individualization and we can, can come back to that later and then the second vertical or solution that we focus on is um is what we call the twig fit proposition and that's everything which needs to fit uh the body and there we go into uh orthotic products we go into uh, prosthetics uh, products but also into uh, sport gear uh, protective gear like helmets for example and that's also a clear uh, vertical where you see that it, it has i mean bespoke products where they're for yeah for a long time already only it was made with hands uh it was made with gypsum it was not scalable there were a lot of a lot of errors um but these are the two main verticals that we focus on um for now and um, apart from that we also have some customer applications in um in, that's a totally other field in in construction uh for example if you think uh windows if you think uh doors th- these are also products which need to fit um your house and uh, today they are made in a traditional way with someone who comes to your house who measures the hole, who makes a mistake who needs to input the briefing into a system then it goes into another briefing and basically we use there the same solution with our um, yeah bot and we say okay let's capture the briefing in a digital way in the in the front end and uh, automatically automatically create a production file and provide that to the backend where digital manufacturing is used to actually uh, make make the product. So I think I actually wanna highlight there's a lot of of customization already uh, today. Um, With Twicket, we've also, in the the past years, we've also seen that you have products today which are really uh, standard, which are not produced and and not um, customized. Sometimes it works to add customization to make it more sexy or to make the product better. But um, we've also seen applications where you try to have a product which is not customizable today to add a customization flavor and that consumers are really not, yeah, demanding it for this kind of product. Um, I think as an example there, uh, we have a shaver, for example, we worked with Philips on a, on a a shaver. And while that was a really exciting project, I mean, it was really cool. Uh, You could actually customize the the full um, outer body of the shaver and have it 3D printed. For consumers, this was really new. And for this type of shaver, they were actually, yeah, they had something like, "Hmm, why why would I customize this, this, uh, this, uh, this product?
1: And is it that the people have to care about the products? I mean, we see that, that, that or is it that it has to fit them? Or, or is there a category of things that you know that would are suited for
2: mass customization or
1: kind of a signifier that would mean that, you know, it's a good case for
2: mass customization? I think, again, if it's already done um, today, uh, there, there will probably be a market. And the mass customization, we mean that the technology will allow to, to scale up what is already done today. Uh, for example, Look at clothing. I mean, you have in a specific segment, people uh, go to a uh, go to, to, to man and, and, and have their suits uh, perfectly made to fit. So you can assume if tomorrow you put shirts online and you um, provide them as easy as possible to make them yeah, made to fit your shirt, that there will be um, a market there. Um, the same the same is true for yeah for for cars like like we already uh, discussed so i think it's really important that you see a proof point if it's already been done today that's an important driver but i think like you highlight yours also if a product needs to fit um, the body or if you if it's it, it's clear that by making it made to fit it will it will get a better performance like for example uh, a helmet in um, in in sports or a helmet for a, a motorcycle driver, where the exact size is really important, then you can. These are also strong drivers that actually there will be mass customization uh, potential. And
0: then how do you overcome the way of customizing for the end consumer? Like when you're talking about something like a helmet or or an orthotic or something like that, are you seeing it as? everyone needs a 3D scanner in the home or a center to go to to get scanned in order to then upload this data?
2: Good question. So I think that's exactly what we do with our technology. So um, I think really important there, um, it was eight years ago actually that we, we, back then we already started to work on a cloud solution. Uh, We saw that there was a lot of 3D solutions which were um, running locally and on a local system, on a local server, which is not scalable. So we decided to go to the cloud because obviously the cloud has a lot of yeah advantages. Um, One of the advantages is that it's very easy to go in into a uh, into a distributed model, and that it enables you to go um, yeah to to much more different uh, locations and have your solution enable your solution solution there without to have it running locally. And for example, that's important in um, orthotics and uh, prosthetics. You see that if you want to, yeah, if you want to go into a bigger mass, you will need a system that enables many point of cares compared to, uh, yeah, maybe one uh, point of care in, in in the country. Because we we know people will not step in the car and drive five hours to have themselves three D scanned for a uh, made to fit solution. I mean, some people will, but but the, the big chunk. Uh, of consumers not so if we go into the tweak fit and and made to fit products then what we really work on is to have a, a 3d scanner on an ipad or a built-in into the ipad i think in the most recent versions and have a cloud solution uh, on top of it which runs distributed and that enables companies who want to put made-to-fit uh, orthotics or insoles or whatever in the market to build a thousand ten thousand very local uh, point of cares to go as close to the consumer um, as you as you want, and I think that's really one of the big advantages of digital transformation. Um, and another thing, as already mentioned, what, what we work on is to have the interfaces in the front, yeah, to make them really easy to use. You don't need any um, any cat skills, but actually, what you do there is you capture you you capture the unique configuration based on a 3D scan or based on parameters. And then only then we will shoot it to a secure cloud, which is more central, as you can say, where we will create the, the production ready file and send it over to a factory. So we've always in our technology kind of decoupled the front end, which is light and easy to use and distributed with yeah, more the, the, the back end of the technology, which is more on yeah, heavy running operations, creating production ready files and providing them to the factory.
0: Are the files being tweaked by actual humans or is it all, all automated at this point? Are you still in between?
2: That's all automated. Yeah. It's all yeah. it is all so, automated.
0: So you're yes, you're successfully producing printable files as a result of a, a scan from a new iPad or a new
2: yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So so how it works? Cool. So yeah. So so uh, Twixt, for example, you can um, we can continuously add um, new templates. So assume for example, tomorrow, yeah, some brand says, look, we want the thumb brace. We have a better design of a thumb brace and we want, we want to offer it through additive or another digital manufacturing way. Then we, we enable to input that template. And that's an operation that a designer does one time. And by inputting this, he will pro- uh, upload the 3D models and actually, he will set the, the parametrization. So as a designer, you can set like, okay, these are the opportunities of the product These, these are uh, the customization functionalities. So for example, you can say here, uh, if I get a 3D scanning, okay, you can morph the product. But the minimum thickness should always be, I'm just saying something, three millimeter because right. otherwise it gets too brittle. And here, this region can certainly not change because then we know that the thing will not function anymore. So you define it one time in um, to our product creator, that's the name. And then only then we shoot it to the clouds and then it will live there. Like for example, you you could say a digital mold. So actually it's a mold, but it's a digital one where it will wait for the specific configurations that will come out of the 3D scans or the specific inputs from the consumer in the front end. But these are parameters and we shoot these parameters along with the 3D scan to the digital mold. And then it will automatically create uh, the production ready file and hand it over with an API to a factory. So that, that's kind of the base, uh, basic flow.
1: And, and if you're looking at like these orthotics, these medical things, I mean, I could imagine that there is a lot of like, there's a regulatory environment there and like there's safety concerns and things. How do you deal with stuff like that?
2: Well, yours, we can also define this. Um, I mean, these are things to, to take into, um, accounts in the R and D phase, obviously. So when, um, when a term brace for example, to, to take the same example, is designed, it can go through um, qualification processes, can go through testing uh, processes uh, to get the right um, certifications, and um, only the difference is that uh, many times in the past you worked with a with a standardized product, and now there's some parameterization allowed, but we will always keep that parameterization in the boundaries of one what's possible technically um, but also if things are important for uh, certification qualification it can also happen on this level so and then we make sure that whatever is is brought to the template level in our technology is already uh, production ready and is certified within the boundaries that um yeah that are important in the uh, r d phase um, other than that, we also work together with, with material uh, companies, for example, because we, uh, as everyone knows, if you want to certify a product, you need to certify it on, on the material level. You need to certify it on the flow level. You need to certify it on, on every level in order to keep the certification. And um, that's why we work, we actually collaborate and we have partnership with these types of companies to, from the start, make sure that everything is aligned, that the, that the material is okay that everything which goes into the templates falls into the certification the same is true for example for automotive where you have after sales where actually you click on a product um, afterwards on on the car and then it's not as infringing but for example if you look at uh, the Aston Martin Zagato which is a uh, limited edition of cars where you actually have metal parts which are in the interior of the car and there's the same so in the R&D phase the parts are already produced, 3D printed. They go through a uh, crashing uh, test. They go through a uh, simulation test in order to make sure that they are uh, yeah, actually certified and qualified.
1: I remember once, I don't think we can say the company, but this is like a really long time ago. And you and I, you were having a meeting with a guy from a car company. And I was talking about customized parts inside the cabin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the guy, I think he almost fainted. <laughs> yeah, like, this is like a... <laughs>
0: I could, yeah, I can imagine that from a
1: car
0: manufacturer.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a long time ago. Yeah. in his defense of uh, So, so it's come a long way, I think. Uh, this kind of stuff this is like 2010 or something, something crazy like that. But and and do you think so? So, automobile. Why do you think automotive is so big? Actually, I think because it is a big mass customization application. A lot of brands are busy with it. Why is that? Why do you think that's the case?
2: I think for one, um, for actually for two main reasons. So people people a, a car is is often an, a, an emotional product you know so uh, that's where there are so many brands and, and design is so important people who pay for a car will also pay significantly more if it's um, individualized and of course we are aware that that actually a car there is a lot of a lot of things you can pick already from, from color and 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 I mean all the accessories you can tweak. But there's still there's a massive level of next level of individualization above that. And there's also here already today uh, a proof that people find this uh, important. You will also see that many brands um, already have solutions today to individualize cars. But again, it's bespoke. You go to sort of a workshop and an atelier and they will do it. They will do it there. Um, but you have a BMW individualize. you have um, Bentley. As a service for that, uh, Daimler has a service for that. With Porsche, you have exclusive uh, manufacturer. I mean, all of those, these brands actually have already solutions to individualize. So it creates value and it creates profit on that level. On the other level, and that's more, I think, um, on on the bottom line, you see that there's really a uh, automotive is, is, a, is a is a is a vertical or market with a lot of challenges. Um, You see today that they need to they continuously need to bring uh new models of a car to the market in order to to keep it sexy and to make sure that the consumers will buy it but on the other hand they also they they build factories and they need to write off depreciate those factories and and it's it's i think there's a vision there where we really believing is that in the future a a car can be modeler and that means I mean, with that, that you have a frame, which is of of course obviously important. You have um, yeah, electrical batteries, which will make sure that the car uh, drives. But then you can use digital manufacturing to to finish off your cars in a much more flexible level, and you can do it much later in the in the value chain. And that's really you 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 feel that this is a vision that's 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 crucial for automotive because it enables them to yeah, make those frames and those batteries and to keep them for a longer time and to take the added value of uh, digital manufacturing which is also yeah, more flexible and on-demand manufacturing next to using it for for mass customization um and that's that's yeah i think that's also a really important uh, driver in um in automotive and what we see there is, of course, that as, a, as an OAM, an automotive OAM, yeah, you, you need to have a roadmap. And actually, it will start with maybe four um, four parts on your car that are customized. But those four those four parts, they can really make the difference for the consumer in creating the additional individualization. And then maybe we can go from four parts to twenty, and from twenty parts to hundred. And the end goal could be to have your your full car uh, with digital manufacturing um and i think another advantage which um is related to that is if you use the digital manufacturing more locally yeah maybe you could even re- uh, retrofit cars um you want to keep your car but you want another interior okay click it out and click in a new interior and i know this is a this is a big vision and and we need to oversee a lot of certification there and and qualification and and testings but this could also mean that a car could maybe be on the road for a longer time, and it could create a recurring revenue for the OEM. So, I think these are a couple of drivers which, uh, yeah, which prove the fit of of 3D printing and customization in a, in the automotive segment. So,
1: a couple of things here. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot going on in the last answer. I mean, uh, I mean first of all, I think the a- automotive aftermarket to me is is huge. It's, it's a very very exciting market to me. I don't know why there's not a lot. There should be a lot more 3D printing activity going on this aftermarket where the regulatory burden is, is comparatively, um, you know, less, less stringent. And, and it's a huge market. Like we're talking like, you know, hundreds of hundreds of billions of dollar market. And, uh, you know, I I just think that that's a really exciting. Do you see also stuff just at the, at the aftermarket? Is is that going on as well? Or is
2: it mainly the OEMs
1: that are focusing on on mass customization?
2: It's also the aftermarket US. Yeah, for sure. You see that that's kind of a region, i mean that's 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 it differs from region to region and in the us you will see that there's a huge aftermarket and we all know those those movies on, on mtv where you really pimp your car which is an aftermarket but again it's the local tuning store it already happens today and in europe you also get this but there it's maybe more uh, linked to the o- oem if you go to japan again there's also more the the aftermarket and then you see all kind of different drivers some oems see that there's a big potential in the aftermarket as a strategic value and maybe they want to pull it back into their core business you know um while in other uh, other brands like tesla maybe they say like no look this is the base car and this is our model and let's create an aftermarket uh, for for the for the individualization so i agree with you that the aftermarket is also important
1: i, I like the idea of this, this as a, as a, as an oem looking at the idea of 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 having like a lifelong car i think it was like I don't remember. I, I, I had to look. I looked. At, I tried to look this up like a week ago, and it was at one point cars were much more uh, disposable than they are now, kind of. And I think it was either Porsche or Volkswagen that made like a, a car that was that was going to be that was made to last much much longer. Mm-hmm. So this vision of sustainability as a longer lasting item uh, with somehow like maybe like a circular polymer kind of repla- replacement parts for the stylistic elements. Like I I upgraded my car kind of, I really love that idea. I mean, I think, I think it's a, I don't know if it will actually work. I think it's very, it seems at the same time, very far fetched to me, but I love the idea of having the innards of this thing, like kind of lasting for a long time and then upgrading components of it and then upgrading as well the the body of the car as I see fit, you know?
2: Yeah, obviously after the after sales, like like we call it is more obvious as you can click, you can click things on. Um, but on the other side, there, there, there are projects running where, um, yeah, we really connect it with, with, with the factory and with the running factory mm-hmm. floor. I mean, that's we, we get that question that, that they want to make sure that um, in, in the near future there is a connection possible, really, with the running factory where you say, okay, here is here is my car and here are the custom parts, and you don't do it in an after sale, but you do it in the factory floor, and that's exciting.
0: But on some level, that's been going on for years, right? I mean, obviously not as much, right? Like I I remember in 2005, I could pick the color and I could pick the interior colors and things of that nature and add-ons as they call them. You had to wait longer because it had to come from the factory. Um, is there a speed advantage on the 3D print side or, or using additive manufacturing, do you think, versus the old way of doing it? Or is it just that you have more capabilities of customization? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's important. You have more more capabilities. You can think yeah, steering wheel. You can think yeah, your seat. You think you can think your dashboards, your your gear shift, and of course, let's not forget structural parts. Huh? Um, lightweight is an important driver there. Right. Um, this is more in the inside of the car. Um, so yes, it, it creates more capabilities, um, but yeah there's there's more than 3d printing like for example on, on foils you can also look at foils where today um yeah they they even use foils to 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 give custom colors um to cars if we look at the, the market now i mean is
1: this going to be so there's another scenario where where you know it used to be the cars had coach builders right so uh, like a company like daimler or or a company like whatever um, Bentley would make the, the car and then the coach builder like Mulliner which I think now is a part of them or something was a separate company and they would make the coach. I mean that's also possible that we could see the disruption in the supply chain with someone just like you know with somebody else in the in the value chain taking off all this customization do you think that will happen yeah. because i mean
2: yes yeah I, I think also that depending on the on the yeah depending on, on the, the product or the accessory but, but that's also what you see today that, that the, the, the seats are yeah are a tier 1 uh, product so mm-hmm. it's it's also possible that uh, that uh, that the customization will um, happen there and that's also, by the way, what we see with Twiki today, where it, it's not only OAMs, it's also a tier one and sometimes even tier two, who says like, "Oh, this is, this is a new opportunity. Um, this will differentiate us and give more opportunities um, and possibilities." and that day. A jump on the wagon
1: so for the uninitiated, like tier one is like uh, oem is like the car manufacturer and tier one would be supplying the directly to the oem uh, usually x works so they just throw it over the fence of the factory and tier one just means that 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 they just supply directly to the oem and they would make like for example the entire interior of the car and a tier two would make like the dashboard and then a tier three would make a component that goes in the dashboard that then goes in the, the interior that then gets sold to the OEM that gets sold to you. That's interesting that you'd find it a little bit more down the supply chain. I think, are you seeing a lot of fit? Cause you did kind of mention like a custom steering cause like right now it's just like the aesthetic customization in automobiles and putting your name on it. You know, I'm really interested in like, I don't know about like, like for example, like the headrest having the headrest exactly match my head, for example. We're having the seat kind of like formed to my back. If you're like a smaller kind of sports car seat, I think that's really exciting. Are you seeing those kind of projects as well.
2: Yeah, they they are, um, yes, they are in the in the in the R&D um, side. But I think there are some some applications even um, live and communicated already, where you see it's it's really uh, made to fit. Although, if you could say your headrest, for example, it's a product uh-huh. uh, you could you could make it made to fit yeah possibly but the the big win there is that um today it exists out of um, if you if you take it out you know, and and you you make it open it's it's maybe twenty thirty parts only in your headrest um and then on the inside you have your have foam and then we all know of course with with um with additive you could explore to make it in in um yeah in one in one part uh, with an internal structure so it has exactly the same yeah the same um performance if you put your head on it but uh that's from a technological perspective then of course on the on the on the budget side uh, also yeah the cost needs to be um okay but uh yeah but but steering wheels made to fit seating with internal structure uh, that kind of stuff is is definitely happening
1: because it's interesting if you can can go to a bike manufacturer if you get a racing bike and they'll actually make the geometry of the bike fit your body or make a custom bike like the the armrest or the, the triangle, let's say it's, it's a triangle, is like a certain length based on you, and I can't do that with my car, you know. No, mm-hmm. you know. So that kind of thing, I think I don't know. Maybe like maybe somebody else would want to sit a little higher or, or be a little bit further away or be all you know, and that kind of stuff. I don't know. I don't know if that's happening, but that would be very interesting. I think.
2: Yeah, sh- sure. For 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 scening, of course, it makes a uh, it makes make a lot of sense. For a specific type of cars again, because the one question you will always get is yeah, what if someone else buys a car or someone else wants to drive the car and you have a custom seating. But in a think a race car or think a yeah, you're you're a super fan of a product and it's it's a limited edition, then then you want to do it and probably the application will start there and then go to other models.
0: In the future are you most excited about uh it expanding into and markets that it's currently not
2: even touching. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> Is it too that, wide? You know? that's, that's a good one. Give me a moment. I, I think in all those verticals, there's, there's so, so much, um, yeah, that there's so much goals we can, we can go for together. And I think that the, indeed the, the car, which will be fully digital manufactured, I think would be, would be, uh, really, um, really, really exciting. But also, if you look at yeah, on on the on the TwigFit on wearables, there are so many products you can make in a better way if you make them wearable. So I mean, as a with Twikit, we we have a universal solution, but on, on the other side, we try to focus on on verticals. Uh, yeah, fair enough. I think I think one I think one time if you go to Mars,
0: right? Then all yeah. of a sudden, so if,
2: if you want, yeah, if you want like a really big thing, I think if you fly to Mars. Uh, with humans then we will take a lot of uh, 3D printers on the first uh, on the first flight to produce stuff there and to use the the dust on the ground to uh, to make products that's right. the only way you know to right. make stuff there <laughs> that you need so i think that's exciting but but obviously nasa is also already thinking on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: but no no i'm against this right i'm against all the smart billionaires diversifying away from the earth asset and leaving us Right. I don't think we should help them. <laughs> 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 I'm against this at all. I like, I don't think we should do this. We should not encourage them. We should definitely not use our like time to help them. No, no space. <laughs> no space. No, no space. But, um, but I think uh, what I'm really excited about is something that is is not really happening. I think uh, we did mention it. Uh, Ramon Pastor mentioned it when he was on the, the 3D pod and uh, other like sports equipment. So to me what the sports equipment is super handy because like imagine I had like a handle, like imagine we could invent a new product. We could be really disruptive and we have the ultimate handle or something. I don't know. And it's just a much more comfortable handle that gives me more grip and is much more comfortable. And I could put that on a golf club and I could put the same handle on a tennis racket or all these other things. Then I could imagine some of the value of these instruments migrating to this handle product that would just be a separate product that would just like ergonomically fit for me, you know? And, and and are you are you are you also enthusiastic about sports equipment, Martijn, or not at all? Is that not like on the radar for you guys?
2: Yeah, I fully agree, and it's um, it's a uh, yeah. I think it's a, it's also an open field, Joris. Uh, it's, it's lots of things can can still happen there. Um, we already had our design team thinking, of, for example, on um, on customized uh, golf clubs or even mm-hmm. um, accessories that you are wearing as a golfer uh, during mm-hmm. trainings to. Yeah, make sure that that your position is is perfect, and that you yeah that you improve your performance, and it will be incremental performance. But yeah, I mean that means a lot in in um, in this type of uh, sports. Uh, but also, you, you already mentioned bikes, helmets, indeed. So it's it's um, it's an open field, and there's there's a lot a lot is also happening there. We are we are we are um, putting some applications in the system as we speak, like helmets, which will uh, go live pretty soon and which will yeah which will just give a better performance
1: i love the idea and this is kind of what we were discussing last time uh, with john barnes as well this idea of with 3d printing you can make the microstructure in case of metals but we can also do some stuff with the structure of polymers to a certain degree and you can make then a lattice structure let's say or an infill structure in fdm or environment and we can then also make a gradient material and then we can make a part and i love the idea of like bringing those things together all in one. I think, I think the thing where that is really starting to happen is this whole idea of this uh, is, is in helmets where you see Coupol, you see the NFL helmet challenge uh, participants and stuff where you really see a lot of those companies kind of do kind of custom structures that are meant for custom heads that are meant to actually have like certain specific effects. Like, for example, a low impact, it responds a certain way and then a, a really a high speed impact, the helmet will respond in a different way. Uh, and then also com- combining that with mass customization, I think the helmets or like safety gear generally, I'm really really excited about for us as an application, and helmets in particular seem like a really exciting uh, application uh, specifically.
2: Yeah, I agree, and I think that that internal or structure uh, internal structure design as as uh, has popped up and really as a specialty as a design specialty within the uh, design for additive manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, as, as we know today you see, you see lots of things um, happening there and um, indeed we, 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 we are uh, integrating applications where you start from a 3d scan um, to uh, combine as well internal structure who have a better performance and also a performance that can yeah depending on, on for example high or low impact with a perfect made to fit and then we really end up with structurally better products where people will pay for
1: and I think that's really exciting. I think I think the helmet is a good case of like you would make, we would want to invest in that maybe you know. And and uh, are are you seeing that the 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 in other safety gear? Because like you know things like I think mouth guards are an example where it took a raw really long time from millions of Invisalign parts to be made for someone then going to mouth guards. I know there's one or two startups now they're doing a mold for mouth guards using the same thermoforming and three D printing and stuff. Uh, do you see a lot of other stuff in safety gear as well, or things like that, where 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 you're seeing new applications?
2: Uh, yes, yeah. So I I think yeah, uh, in general, uh, yeah, protective gear in, um, in in all kind of uh, of uh, sports. Could also think yeah, uh, um, eyewear uh, protection in uh, industrial uh, environments. Um, yeah, think think um, motorcycles. Of course, I mean your whole body needs to be. Uh, protected so there we have some uh, some uh, applications which we are uh, exploring so many options
1: there's quite a lot of customization also going on in luxury goods it's mainly kind of like you know aesthetic stuff and, and all. do you think there's like a, a the possibilities for fit and more like aesthetic
2: customization in luxury goods sure if you um, if you uh, walk on the Fifth Avenue today you already see that, that if you want to buy a handbag <laughs> yeah you can you can you can have your initials on it, um, that kind of stuff. But m- most of the time that that just happened with with uh, with standard parts uh, that are uh, produced in in big amounts in big volume, and that's not really our model. Um, mm-hmm. but but also there are some, for example, we we used um, 3D printing as a technology to um, to improve the letter stamping uh, process uh stamping which is valid in automotive if you want to fr- customize your seating but which is also valid in in um in handbags for example where you want really a custom stamp uh on your on your handbag and you 3d print the the, the part to uh yeah, the, the stamp uh compared to cnc in it and there you 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 win a lot of you win time you you have a huge huge uh, cost cost win so there we see a fit with uh, with luxury goods for sure.
1: I mean, how does it work? Like actually, if we're if we're like, am I like, how does it like? You kind of high level explain how this technology works, but I mean, how does it? How do you go from a three D scanner for the input to like the G code or the machine instructions? What what is actually happening under the hood?
2: So I already explained the the the, the template model. So we input the template to the product creator, and then um, we we kind of um, what happens then is that we create kind of our, the digital mold is a unique file type we we have uh, developed. And then we have some uh, also in our TwigBot, it's, it's it's kind of a, a geometry kernel in the cloud. So it can do brilliance, it can do morphing operations, um, it can do parametric operations. Uh, and then depending on the product, but let's take for example, uh, a helmet, you will have a, a 3D scan that comes in um, from uh from the front so uh, you, you use a tr- structure scanner so we have the 3d scan um already there and then um, you, we send the 3d scan uh with the tweak fit to the to the template and then we will morph we will do a morphing operation for most of the products to make sure that yeah actually it shrinks the product shrinks around uh, around the head for example so you have a perfect um you have a perfect fit there and then for the other steps you go you go more into yeah these are more parametric operations So for example you want to turn you want to turn the helmets you want to define the impact zones so so you want to say for example okay here are my helmets this is high impact or this helmet is for a professional so it needs to um, withstand more impact compared to an amateur where we need lesser impact and we have lesser weight so you 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 input all those parameters and we capture them and we make a configuration in our in our terms. We make a configuration out of that. And we send all the parameters again to the geometric kernel, and they will automatically say, okay, change this parameter, change this parameter, change this parameter, and the product will get its unique um, will get its unique shape. Um, and then um, we translate it to a STL or a um, 3MF or an OBG. Um, and we shoot it to, a, to, an, uh, to an API and then the factories will take it over so it can go into a uh, Magix or it can go into a, a NetFab, or it can go into a Cura software uh, from Ultimaker and there the actual slicing in the G-code will, um, will happen.
1: That's cool. I mean, is there like, uh, is it in, are you integrating with the RP and stuff like that or you don't see that your job to integrate with these manufacturing systems? Because you did mention you're going into the factory and stuff. Do you, do you are you handing it off to the factory software or the machine software, or or are you integrating with those kind of tools as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, yes. Depending on on the, of course, depending on the on the flows. But um, we have some APIs um, with our, you which are our basic APIs. And and sometimes, of course, we need to do really deep integration into uh, SAP flows or other ERP flows to make sure that there's the the seamless connection and everything goes from our system into the, yeah, the existing, uh, um, workshop and ERP, uh, uh, flows. What kind of,
1: like, if we're talking about just 3d printing, I mean, what kind of like technologies are being used, uh, you know, to output the parts or so what are the 3d printing technologies you guys use? Like most often, like often a lot of like, uh, uh, mass customization stuff ends up being often either if it's a mold, then SLA, but but otherwise it just ends up being a lot of SLS, a lot of MGF. Is that what you're finding as well, or are there more technologies? Yes, yes, a
2: yes, SLS, uh, MGF, uh, more and more metal uh, applications. Okay. Um, also, we, we see a rise right there, um, and then of course um, we we have other digital manufacturing, so we also connect. With the laser cut applications, we connect with with CNC applications. Everything which is digital is is basically um, interesting to us.
0: Like I mean, yeah. like next you do a six axis arm robot to actually assemble everything.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we will leave that to another startup.
1: Right. <laughs> 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 What, what are you doing mostly 3d printing stuff or is it the combination are you seeing a lot of people that say i want a laser cut i want to an etch and, and then i want to 3d print as well or is, is it 3d printing is really driving your business or
2: yeah it depends in um in that the twig fit it's um most of it is um it's additive in automotive it's um it's it's 50 50 or even maybe even some more um, digital manufacturing, laser cut and, and stuff like that, engraving technologies, um, cutting technologies, um, and then also 3D printing. And obviously, yeah, OAMs and, and corporates. Um, it, it's important to offer one system which can do it, which can do it all, compared to yeah having a lot many different uh, systems for every other technology. So we we, we try to be generic there.
1: And do you think this is something like or is this is going to be, because you are talking about mass. Is that your goal really to have like, you know, millions of people do this and all the time, or does it still want to, you still want to be there for like, you know, maybe high-end helmets, you know, or, or are you really there for like everyone? Is, is that the ultimate goal? Every car or every helmet, or, or, or do you want to be there for like, you know, only certain niche products and high-end products?
2: Often the customization uh, made to fit customization Starts in the in the more exclusive segments or the let's say the heavy users. For example, we've seen that with insoles, it starts with marathon runners and yeah, people that that really um, think it's important to have um, yeah performance, um, better performance stuff like that. And then over time, it pours to yeah to the bigger mass. Um, I, I think our goal is is definitely. The mask but what we also find important is that we work on products which create uh, which creates uh yeah, value which create high value where it's really important to use the customi- customization um if you look at cars for example yours we, we i mean we've made some calculations if you see that 70 million cars um is, the, is a global market then i think the the market for now the market potential is about 11 million cars so so a part of that where we actually see a fit um, today. Uh, But over time, let's hope it pours down.
1: And and, and so you did kind of touch on insoles. I think insoles is really exciting. I mean, there's two different things here. I mean, I think I love the idea of having a voxel-based kind of, or uh, an insole that is like actually different at every single point, or every single voxel. Do you see that kind of thing happening, where you have like a gradient material, or you have like a, a insole that's like fundamentally different, as in you could only make it with additive because it's, it's different at every voxel? Or is that happening or not?
2: Yes, yeah. So I, I think that, certainly the where performance again is 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 important, and you can go pressure based. Um, there you see again the voxels and the internal structures, and that uh, depending on the on the, the yeah the scan and also the pressure scan, you can. Put the voxels uh, exactly where they need to be, the perfect voxel, which will give the perfect push. Um, mm-hmm. So that will increase performance. But also for insoles, don't forget that today, yeah, most of the insoles, if you go to a podiatrist or to an orthopedic guy, they're they're actually they cut them out of of yeah foam, and um, yeah. That, yeah, and they lose um, they lose a lot of material there, and they spend a lot of time uh, doing this. So actually they, they, they need to see the patient and to yeah, input um, and to listen to you and and, and have a, a 3D scan or even do manual measurements to uh, make sure they they create the best sole. And then afterwards they need to go uh, and actually uh, produce the, the sole by cutting it out in the material. And of course, if you go there uh, and you go 3D, 3D printing, which is additive, yeah, you lose lesser material. Um, they spend lesser time. Of course, it needs to be produced in, in the factory, but that's more um, scalable and you can make a better install. So this is definitely a product that's a really good fit with uh, with additive, obviously. Yeah,
1: I, you, I mean, I did a project on this at one point, a couple actually, and, and at one point in the Netherlands, for example, it, these things, they cost, sometimes they cost 2000 uh, euros, these, these handmade uh, orthotics and stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and there's a lot of like skill that goes in there which is beautiful i mean there's an artisan that does this and they're really wonderful at their job but at the time, time looking at it from a manufacturing standpoint there is a, a way to do a lot of the customization stuff in kind of a smarter way and also much much less expensive way
2: yes correct i agree
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so uh, thank you so much everyone for for listening again to another episode of the 3d pod and uh, today I was joined as always with by maxwell vogue bye everyone And uh, as well, uh, this time by uh, Martin Joris of Twicket.
2: Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone.
0: You've been listening to The 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.